Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey everyone, we are back in the basement and we are continuing through the Gospel of John. Today we are starting in on John chapter 9, which is personally one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It says here in John 9, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus starts off in this text With whatever he was doing, wherever he was going, he stopped and he saw. He stopped in such a noticeable way that that the disciples lean in and ask Jesus a question. And as Jesus stops, what does he see? He sees a man. A man blind from birth. He sees a man and his pain. We've been meditating on Psalms 139 starting a few weekends ago, and there it says, You formed me in my mother's womb. You formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. This same Jesus knit this man together, formed him in his mother's womb. He knows the pain that he has gone through in his life. He knows what it's like to be different from everybody else. He knows the suffering that this man had to endure. And as Jesus and his disciples witness this man and his pain, or at least see it in this moment. The disciples lean in to a question that we as human beings have been asking for a long, long time. Why? Why would this man be born blind? Why? the pain? Why do we as human beings have to endure pain in our life? Why the trials? Why the injustice? Why? And many people equate this pain to evil. That this pain is somehow the dark side It is the darkness. We're going to see in this text that there is a different way to view this. There is a different way to see this. Through Jesus' answer, 
to his disciples who are asking the question in the only way they know how, because every pain or, or everything that was wrong, quote unquote, wrong in the world was wrapped up in sin in their hearts and their minds. And from the root of it, yeah, that makes sense. But, but Jesus clearly says the root of this is not sin, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. The works of God where we've heard that before and where we've seen that before is in, in scriptures like Psalms 111, where it says, Great are the works of God, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. We see that the reason that Jesus is giving for this man's blindness and this man's pain is not caused by evil, but it is for a reason. And that reason is glory. That reason is glory. Glory is something that we are not, that is not unfamiliar to us. We have been as human beings, though we endure pain in life, We are seekers of glory. From a young age, we look to our parents to hear, I'm proud of you. Nice work. Good job. We get into school and many of us look at grades as a a mode of achievement or a mode of glory that we would do put in the work so that we can get the grade and receive the glory. Then we move on from school and it goes to our careers, right? That we would seek the next promotion or the advancement in our jobs, in our careers, that the glory would come. In Romans 2, it says, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. So we see that we were created, we were purposed for glory. But we get it twisted. The glory is not our glory, but is the glory of the glorious one who created us. So how does pain and glory interact? How do we see it collide? Where on earth would Jesus get this idea that this, the pain, the lifelong pain of this man would end in glory? Well, we see it first and foremost from what Jesus is about to do on the cross. That the real road to glory is suffering, is pain, is Calvary, is Golgotha, is the cross. That Jesus doesn't ask us to suffer 
alone. Jesus doesn't ask us to suffer alone, but has walked through the suffering, the greatest suffering anyone could ever imagine, that this pain would become the very glory of Christ. That through this pain that our Lord, our Savior, our Creator, the Omni-God would suffer and endure pain and it was the only way that he would usher in glory on this earth. That he would usher in new life. That he would endure the pain and the punishment so that we could live forever. We see in 2 Corinthians 1, it says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. So we see there's a correlation that glory, that comfort comes with suffering, that glory and pain go hand in hand, and it's because pain is an indicator that there is something wrong. Pain reveals to us that there is something going on that requires help and healing and a touch. It says in James 1, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we see that this testing, these trials, it produces in our life a steadfastness. That the full effect of this steadfastness would be that we would be made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The very work of God in our life, the the glory that comes through our life, the vessel of it is pain. We're going to see in this text that this man's pain ends in healing. That he would be in the darkness, that just as we walk out of chapter 8 and we hear Jesus say, I am the light of the world, he brings this man from utter darkness into light, that from blindness to sight. This is not always the case. Also in 2 Corinthians, this time in chapter 12, Paul, he talks about something he's had to endure, a pain he has had to endure. It says 
so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harness me, to keep me from being becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I know that there are people who are listening now. You who are listening now may be in a place where you are in the midst of suffering and Jesus might not have a plan of healing that suffering, but he has a plan to remind you that he is going to give you everything he, that you need. My grace is sufficient for you. Hear the words of Jesus. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. The Almighty God, the Omni God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, the Savior of the world is saying, My grace is upon you and it is sufficient for you and I will give you everything that you need to walk through this. He never promises Paul healing. Paul delights in this word from the Lord. He is glad that the glory of God would come through his weakness and through his pain. We never get to find out what Paul wrestled with, this thorn in his side. It's famous, but we don't know exactly what it is. People speculate about it, but I love that because we can fill in the blank. What is the thorn in our side right now? It could be a season of life. It could be a physical pain. It could be anything. But his grace is sufficient for you and his power will be made perfect in this weakness. C.S. Lewis, a great thinker, he wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. And in it, he makes this really helpful statement. He says, we can ignore even pleasure but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. No doubt pain as God's megaphone is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepented rebellion, but it gives the only opportunity the bad man can have for amendment. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel soul. Again, that's C.S. Lewis. I love that image of God speaking or shouting loudly in the midst of our pain. It brings us to a place where we recognize that there is something wrong and we need his help. In this chapter, we're going to get to see pain touched by God. 
becoming the glorious works of him. I hope you'll stick with us and listen through this chapter. Like I said, it's one of my favorites. I want to send you off with one more scripture from 2 Corinthians. It's verse it's chapter 4 verse 17. It says, "For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison." As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I pray that we would fix our eyes on on the glory that God has in store. For the glory that God wants to display in and through your life. Hey, be blessed, and we will talk again on Friday. I love you guys, and I'm looking forward to it.